0: Remain standing for the reading of the word out of 1st John chapter 3 verses 1 to 11. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it does not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he, he appeared to us so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who commits
1: God, this morning, I just pray that the transforming power of your word would get in us, that it would move us, it would shake us, it would challenge us. God, we never want to approach your word and try to get to the conclusion we need. We simply want to let your word speak to our hearts, because God, you are a good father and you love us with a perfect father's love. The kind of love that changes us, that challenges us, that calls us near. God, I'm incredibly grateful that I can't out love you. Because you are love. You're all of the things your word defines love as and you're those things towards us. You're patient. You're kind. You don't keep a record of wrongs. You don't delight in evil. You rejoice when we embrace the truth. So I pray this morning we would embrace the truth of your word, that it would challenge us, that it would change us. I pray that you would be near. We give your spirit permission to move in this place. Have your way, I pray, O God. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. You might want to give someone a hug first. I'm a hugger, so you have my permission to do that. Thank you, worship team. Woo! I'm telling you, I feel like I've been to church already, so I don't know what's about to happen here. If you got your Bibles, open up to 1 John chapter 3. We're going to get there in just a moment. As we get there, I have a question for you this morning. How good are you at spotting a fake? Can you spot a fake? Are you good at seeing when something's real or not real? As, uh, as we do this, I thought maybe what I'd do is I'd, I'd throw a couple of uh, scenes, graphics on the screen... And I'm just going to have you, you don't have to embarrass yourself and like, I won't make you stand if you think it's real or fake or whatever. Just give me a thumbs up if you think it's real or a thumbs down if you think it's fake and you can keep your thumb low enough so that your neighbor doesn't cheat off your, off your page. But uh, so here we go. I am going to ask you if you think these are real or fake. So that is the North American jackalope. Woo! The jackalope. Thumbs up if it's real, thumbs down if you think it's fake. Yeah, some of you have seen them. Some of you have them on your wall, right? No, the jackalope is fake. That's thumbs down. It is a uh, mixture of a jackrabbit, which is not actually a rabbit, and American antelope, which is not actually an antelope. So not only is it not a real thing, it's not a real mixture of words either. Okay, so here's a good one. Uh, This is something that you can order online, as seen on TV, bread gloves. You can make anything into a sandwich. Just grab a pile of meat and enjoy. What do you guys think? Is that something you can order online? Is that real or is that fake? Is that real or is that fake? Some of you are not so sure if you can spot a fake anymore. The tagline says, if you've ever thought, wow, there's no pain involved in eating a sandwich. (laughs) Or my hands are too cold while eating this sandwich, then this product is for you. Pastor Andrew really wanted this to be real, but it's not real. That was our (laughs) fake. (laughs) He may have helped me hunt these down a little bit. All right. This is a 47-star American flag. So in history, you history buffs, was there ever a time before we added the final three states that there was a 47-star American flag? Ooh, some of you are challenged by this one. You're thinking thumbs up if you think it's real, thumbs down if you think it's fake. What do you think? I'm just going to read you the description. There has never been an official 47-star flag of the United States. (laughs) New Mexico became the 47th state on the 6th of January, 1912. But since the United States only adopts new flags on the 4th of July, the addition of Arizona as the 48th state changed the number of stars before. So Arizona jumped in and pushed it to 48 before that. All right, two more, two more. This is a $100,000 bill. Pastor Andrew took a picture out of that out of my wallet. (laughs) What? There is some skepticism in the room on that. My wife is laughing the hardest at that. (laughs) Is that real or fake? Is there such thing as a $100,000 bill? Thumbs up if you think it's real. Thumbs down if you think it's fake. Some of you are believers. Some of you have one maybe, right? (laughs) ha. The present denominations of our U.S. currency in production are $1, $2, $5, $10, $20, $50, and $100. But the largest denomination ever printed was the $100,000 bill. It's real. It's real. It was printed in 1934, and it has President Wilson on there. All right, one last one. One last one. This is a picture of the Vadu Islands. Is that real or is that fake? Can you go there? Is that a place? Thumbs up if you think it's real. Thumbs down if you think it's fake. Is that from some sci-fi movie or is that real? It's real. The secret is phytoplankton. And try saying that in a sentence besides the secret is phytoplankton. They're bioluminescence and they emanate a blue gold. It creates the most, this is not my writing, the most romantic natural lighting in the world.
0: Oh,
1: awesome. All right. That's the That's the end. How about a round of applause for real or fake? <laughs> it's a crazy thing trying to determine if something is real or fake. And as we get into the word today in First John, chapter three, John is really stressing this idea that there are counterfeits in the body that appear something they are not. And he's going to begin to unpackage for us this idea that we heard in the scripture reading today that we are either children of God and his language children of the devil. And so he says, your father is one of two things. Now, here's what's interesting. Every family has characteristics. Every family does. Your family has characteristics. My family has characteristics. This hairline is a family characteristic. I didn't choose this. I was blessed by God, by a grandfather on my mom's side with no hair whatsoever. Every family has characteristics. You know that. If you eat dinner with my Puerto Rican family and you're shy, you're passive, or your volume never reaches this level, no one will know you're in the room. No one will notice. They'll just talk and be loud. And it's funny because in my wife's family, if I talk this loud, everyone will notice. Everyone will stop and wonder, what's the matter with me? Because every family has characteristics. I see kids running around all the time in the building, and it's awesome. And sometimes I don't know whose child they are. And then they do something, and I go, oh, you're one of Tyson's. Because there's family characteristics. You know that's the truth. And John says the same thing is true in the family of God. There are family characteristics. There are things that are natural to being in the family. And there are some things that don't happen inside of this family. You know, in a family, one of the worst things that can happen is to be told you're outside of the family. Some of us have experienced that with someone we love. Someone said, wow, you, you violated this thing, and now you're outside of the family. It's one of the worst things you could possibly feel being outside of the family. But every family has shared things. You have shared characteristics. You have shared stories, right? We have shared history. We've done life together. Okay, I'm going to tell you a funny family story. So, you know, this is what it's like growing up in a Puerto Rican home. My cousin Nelson, he's the tallest, best-looking one, so we make fun of him the most, Right? So we have to all feel better about ourselves, and so we have to attack him. He's not the brightest one, but he's the tallest and best-looking one. So he's the guinea pig for everything the family comes up with as an idea of something we should try to do. So my cousin, uh, Bubba, Robert is his name, uh, he's the builder. He's the one who can put things together and just, you know, if there's things lying around, he'll make something. So I'm a uh, young man. I'm probably eight, nine years old. They're in their teens, and Bubba decides that he is going to build a hang glider. Why not? Right. We live in a one story home. It's got a flat roof. We have a perfect launching pad. There is a door that's been removed and replaced. And so we've got the framing for this door, this thin, you know, door frame. And so Bubba puts it together with a sheet and forms a kite that looks like a hang glider. And we decide, well, someone should try this out. I'm the youngest, but I'm not dumb. And so I'm not going to do it. Guess who's going to do it? Nelson. <laughs> so we get him up there and this is, I, you gotta, you gotta, this is what happens in a family. Right. You love each other. We decide he's going to bail out. So we tie his arms. Right. Because he's got to he's got to hold on. Right. If he bails out, there's no way this is going to work. So we tie his hands. And we're just talking him up. This is going to be awesome. You're going to be a legend. We you know, this is going to be great. So Nelson gets up on the roof. <laughs> we tie this hang glider to him and he runs and he jumps and he flies. He doesn't fly. He soar. No, he doesn't soar. He tumbles over the end. But guess what? He can't do catch himself. <laughs> yes. There was a moment where we were yelling out, we killed our cousin and blood is pumping from his head. And it was all this. But families have shared stories. We do shared things. We do crazy things together. We have these experiences that bring us together as family. They knit us together. We laugh. We tell those stories at the holidays. They're just part of the history of being in the family. And John wants you to know that you have an incredible history because you're in the family. And the family stories are your stories. And the family history is your history. You are part of the family of God. How cool is that? How amazing is that? So this morning we're going to dive in. To First John chapter 3 and and I've been wrestling you know each week if you're just jumping in today I'm, so glad you're here We've been walking through the book of first john and uh, you can catch up on the podcast But you picked a great week for your first week because this I was gonna be honest with you This is the passage of scripture probably that I get the most excited and passionate about just in the scripture This is where for pastor mike for me Life change just occurred when I got my mind around what john's talking about today I went from an outsider, come on now, to an insider because I understood what John was saying and someone explained to me who God was. In my life, And so if you're just jumping in today, don't worry. You picked an amazing time to come. If you've been walking through this with us, um, I apologize if I don't get as far um, as I'd like to get today, because I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm going to get I'm pretty excited about what God's doing in this passage. And so so just put your seatbelt on. Have mercy on me. We're going to go deep and hopefully you get challenged in your heart as well. And I've been thinking about John a lot as we've been doing this study. And I've been thinking about John in the twilight years of his life, writing this story story down writing to the future church. I mean, initially he was probably fairly certain that Jesus would return in his lifetime. So telling the story was adequate enough, but now telling the story wasn't going to be adequate enough. He's older in life now. He's as much as maybe 80 years old when he writes this. It's about 60 years after the cross. He's writing down the story of his time with Jesus. Some scholars actually believe that this letter, 1 John, was a cover letter to his gospel because of the. parallels in the language and how some of those things uh, look together it was like introducing his gospel some believe that and eventually he's going to write his entire story of what it was like to walk with jesus and that's the gospel of john that we have but at this moment in history he is seeing the first generation of believers who didn't actually walk with jesus they weren't even alive when jesus was on the ground they're like us And he's watching them begin to adopt a faith in Jesus. And last week we talked about how they just began to add Jesus to their lives. And so often we do that. Our lives are okay. Our lives are going well enough. We've got enough things together. And then we hear, oh, and then there's Jesus and he'll get you out of hell. And you're like, yes, I can buy get out of hell insurance. And so we buy get out of hell insurance the way we would buy life insurance or auto insurance. And we have that same interaction. I don't spend my life thinking about my auto insurance. Right? It comes out electronically. I don't even know it's there till my phone buzzes at the end of the month and says, you know, there goes your auto insurance. Like, oh, good, I still have auto insurance. And I don't think about it again. That's it. But we have a tendency, John's seeing this tendency for us to begin to treat our faith in Jesus the same way. That we just have our life and all the things that we believe and all the ways that we interact, and then we add faith to it. And it just kind of hits us when we need it. And then if we hit crisis mode, oh, time for that insurance to kick in. There's been a collision. John sees this first group of believers who are beginning to just mesh faith with that. Now, there's some things that they believe that he specifically speaks to time and time again. And so it comes out over and over again in the book of 1 John. He, they believe some things. One of the things that they believe is that Jesus didn't actually have a physical body. He wasn't present in the body. And there's a reason why they would believe this. So when Jesus would walk, like, he didn't leave a footprint, right? He wasn't physically there. And their thinking was that, well, our flesh is the thing that's evil, but our spirit is pure and good. And so Jesus could never have flesh because flesh is evil. This is their thinking, right? And so since that's the case, he was just the spirit that was good. And then what they were able to do is they could get from there to, it doesn't even matter what my flesh does because my flesh is evil anyways, My spirit will stay good. I've got insurance so I can do anything I want to do. It doesn't really matter because this flesh is going to die off anyways. And then spirit to spirit, I'll be good with Jesus. And this is the thinking that was beginning to infiltrate the church. And so John sees this. And he thinks, man, how in the world can someone who's had An encounter with Jesus, leave that encounter feeling like, well, it doesn't really matter what I do with my life now that I've had that encounter with Jesus. In John's word, if you leave that encounter with Jesus, that relational connection with God, and you leave that thinking, I don't have to change my behavior. Nothing about me is really different. I've just bought insurance. He says, I don't say this. He says, you are a liar, and the truth isn't in you. And I was thinking about John this week, I'm getting emotional was thinking about it, because I was thinking, you know, i talked a little bit about how John got to walk with Jesus. I love this idea that if Jesus was the first one up and John woke up and he looked and he saw his silhouette, John would recognize Jesus, like he spent time with him. When Jesus spoke in the crowd, he knew which voice was Jesus' voice. But I was thinking even more this week, I don't know why, but I was just thinking about the fact that John was there at the cross. John knows that Jesus had a body. John knows. What that body endured for us. John knows the price. That was paid. John saw blood on the ground. John saw, John saw nails in the hand. John saw and heard. And, and smelled. And was present. When the savior of the world. Paid the price. Was found guilty. So that we could be found innocent john saw that with his eyes some of the disciples scattered in the crowd we don't know what happened to them but we know john was close john tells us he was close actually in john uh, chapter 19 verse 26 i'll throw it on the screen it's it's near the end it's the final moments jesus is on the cross and it says when jesus saw his mother there he looks down his mom is there mary is there and it says and the disciple whom he loved that's john that's how close john was that's what John saw. That's the, that's the nearness to the cross that he experienced. And he's writing to a generation of believers who are like, we can just do whatever we want. Thanks, Jesus. And he's like, no, I was there. I saw what they did to our Savior. I saw it with my eyes. He looked down. He made eye contact with me. And he said to his mother, dear woman, here is your son. And he looked at me and to his disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. John literally took Mary home from the cross. He lived with her after that, took care of her after that. Do you understand the intimacy and connection John had with Jesus? And when he sees people say, I'm a follower of Jesus and nothing is different in their lives, he says, whoa, how could nothing be different? When he sees people who are followers of Jesus say, well, Jesus didn't really have a body he says, are you serious? Oh, it doesn't matter what I do with my body. Are you serious? It doesn't matter how I live. Are you serious? How can you have experienced that kind of love and not be changed? Here's John writing to us saying we encounter a kind of love that is bigger and more amazing than what we could ever fathom and is changes us it changes us it changed him and it should change us so here's john we're three chapters deep remember he didn't write in chapters he's just writing a letter which is like a sermon it's a homily that kind of uh, accompanies his other writings and he's he's addressing this uh this issue in the body of just believing we can do whatever we want to do. It, it, it's clear he doesn't, uh, he doesn't appreciate the hypocrisy that he's seen in the body. And he says, I'm going I'm to read the first couple verses again here, and then we're going to narrow in on verse 1. And if we get past verse 1 today, I'll be really impressed. We did a good job. He says, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world doesn't know us is it didn't know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what has and what we will be has not been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he himself is pure. We are
0: the
1: children of God of God. I'm going to put verse 1 up there. I'm going to put it in the New King James because I just like the uh, I like the wording it messes with me. Maybe because I heard it in the New King James verse. It says, "Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God." You know, I was thinking about that word. I'm going to say a word And I just want you to process whatever you feel when I say this word because there's no neutral reaction to this word. There isn't one. If I just say the word father. Father. There's no neutral reaction to that word. You can't just hear the word father and put it on a shelf. It stirs something in us. For some of us, it stirs deep, deep pain and longing and loss or hurt or anger for some of us joy for some of us encouragement and hope and life empowerment for some of us approval for some of us disapproval when we hear the word father it does something to us why why does it move us so deeply it challenges us because there's something in us that knows we were designed to be loved by a father. And no matter how you experience that here on earth, our Father in heaven wants you to understand you are destined and determined to be loved by a father. Now, I got to tell you, in my life I didn't experience that. When I hear the word father, all kind of war goes on inside of me. I have to compartmentalize my emotions so I don't get upset. My father was not around when I was young, he took off when I was nine months old. He showed up again when I was five and kidnapped me for a while. It uh, wasn't that much fun to have around, so he dropped me back off at my grandparents' house, and that was the last time I saw him. My, uh, my stepfather was uh, strong. Um, he was a kaholic. I say kaholic, whatever thing that was his current addiction. He was an alcoholic, a workaholic, a pillaholic. I mean just whatever was the thing. And so I, I learned that a, uh, a male strong figure uh, could, be not, could not be trusted. Would be different all the time I learned that and I remember being 11 12 13 years old and processing that somehow I had gotten a raw deal I had gotten a raw deal I had friends who didn't have the same experience that I had now I had a great extended family and cousins and I had people who loved me but I remember just kind of having an anger in my core that somehow I had been ripped off and I remember the moment I was first aware That I was probably an accident. That that there was not a lot of intent into my existence. I remember that. I remember processing that. I remember being a kid and kids being mean and saying things but not really getting it. But I remember when I really got it. I was about 11, 12 years old and the anger that was in me. And the sense of no purpose that was in me. And the sense of what did it matter what I do that was in me. And then someone read this to me. I had been going to church for a little while, checking it out because there were girls there. I married the hottest one. You're going to be mad at me for saying that, but it's the truth. So I only speak the truth when I got this microphone. <laughs> yeah. It's on the podcast now. It's got to be true. God bless me way and above and beyond exceedingly more than anything I could ever ask for or imagine. But I got to tell you something. I was going to church Because there were girls there and they played basketball and Nintendo, Tecmo Bowl, come on. Bo Jackson was not a Raiders fan, but he was just amazing. And I remember sitting there and hearing about heaven and hell and God and a plan. And I thought, well, that's for other people who have other structure in their lives, who have all the pieces. Because I'm an accident, there's no plan, there's no purpose for me. And I remember being snarky about it and sitting back and hearing about God making a way for me to get to heaven. And I thought, well, he didn't even intend for me to be here. So what would he care if I went to heaven? And my 12 and so year old mind. And then I remember hearing this verse, 1 John 3.1. Somebody read it. It was at a summer camp. And he said, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. And i got to tell you something. It never occurred to me that I could experience a father's love. This wasn't a thing. I had already resolved in my 12-year-old heart that that wasn't for me. I was ripped off in that world. I don't know where you're at. But the reality that God intended for me to be here, that I had a father who Jeremiah says formed me in the womb, that ordained my steps, that had a plan and a purpose for my life, I could not fathom that truth until I understood that there was a crazy love that was bigger than the way I understood love. That he called me his child. Behold. As I was reading this this week, I was struck. This is just an anecdote, but I, I'm not even, I just, I'm just going to tell it to you because I was struck by this. I was thinking about creation. I was thinking about how God created things. And I love the creation story because I love talking about the power of our words. And I love that God created by speaking, and then he created us in his image. So we have power when we speak, and we need to be aware of that. And so he speaks things into existence. And I was reading the creation account, and I was listening uh, uh, just to to the word of God say, you know, he spoke, and there was light. He spoke, and there was an expanse between the waters. He spoke, and the creeping things were there. He spoke. He spoke, and he spoke. And then you get to chapter 2, and he does something different. He doesn't speak. It says he formed, and he gets his hands in the dirt, and he creates something in, in such a way, and then he breathes life into it. And I was just thinking how amazingly intimate the creation of man was. He could, he, he could have spoken it but he didn't speak it he got his hands in the dirt and he formed it and he breathed life into that first man it was an act of uh, of creativity that was different than all of the creativity that had gone before it and he still does it today he forms us he creates us he brings somebody needs to hear that this morning He intends for you to be here. He intended for you to be here from the start. He formed you from the beginning. Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished on us. That he made us and created us to be children of God. You know, he says that is what you are. Are you kidding me, church? That's what I am? And John says, I saw, uh, I saw what it takes to be a child of God. I walked with him. I understood. I heard him say words like, if you're going to follow me, you got to take up your cross daily and walk. And then I saw him actually take up the cross and walk. Being a child of God wasn't a free pass to just live however you wanted to live. But it was a free pass to a destiny that was better than anything you could have imagined on your own. What an incredible love. What an amazing love. What an intentional love. It's unbelievable. I love that John is like astounded. This is John. He's, he's, he's an aged disciple at this point. The aged apostle. And he's just, he's, he's getting closer to meeting Jesus. Come on now. In the flesh again. And he says to all of us, how amazing Is a father's love. Now I love John. Paul talks about adoption all the time. He's always talking about we're grafted in. We're adopted. We're adopted. John doesn't use that language. He very simply says you were created. And the love of God has identified you as a child of God. That is stinking amazing. It changed me. It changes us. If you'll let that simple truth get into your heart. That that's who you are. It has to change things. I can't just keep doing the things I've always done. I'm not who I've always been. I'm not the person who was in darkness before. Who didn't know that truth about my father. I'm not an accident. You're not an accident. There's intent beyond what you could have imagined. There was a forming that happened. There was a breath of the Father that got inside of your lungs, that filled your lungs with air. That is who you are. Oh, how amazing. How amazing. And we want to make... That encounter with God so small that it's like, well, as long as the rest of my life is okay and I have my Jesus insurance, I'll be okay. No. There was nothing in us that could please God on our own, but he created us, breathed life into us, and then he gave his only son for us. That was the father's love for us. I think about it from time to time, how incredible a love must have to be to send my son to die on someone else's behalf. I think about it from time to time. I've got a couple of sons now. It wasn't always the case. And I think about people who I know and who I love. And I think about what it would take for me to lay down my life for somebody else. Could I do it? Would I do it? If the moment was right, if the opportunity was there, and it was me or someone I loved, could I do it? And I wonder if I would have that inside of me. You know what I never have to wonder about? Could I lay down the life of my son for somebody else? That's not a thing. Like, that's not a thing. I love some people on this earth, but that's not a thing. I can't imagine the depth Of the lavishness. That's why John says this is unbelievable, guys. That your father in heaven intended for you to be here. That he designed you. That he breathed life into you. That he sent his only begotten son. And that he allowed him to carry the weight of your guilt. So that you could be found not guilty. And he, John saw, what he went through for us. He says that kind of love. Behold, it is lavished on us. And when we understand the depth of that kind of love, guys, it changes things. It does. We can't be the same. We can't just go through the motions. We can't just compartmentalize our lives. We can't just live a, a, a hot and cold kind of experience. That, that's what John's trying to unpack for us. In the next few verses, it's going to get complicated. Um, and, and then John is great at just being like, you should never sin. But when you do, and I get it. And, if you, I, and so we'll unpack some of that so it can make sense. But none of it makes sense if you don't understand who you are and why John is so passionate about it. You're a child of the king entitled to the rights now i get excited when i start thinking about what that means to be a child of the king right and and, and I, I i'm gonna get i'm gonna lose myself here a little bit but there's things on earth that like sometimes you look at and you're like oh i wish i had that you know like a truck uh, or whatever did that come out no, something, yeah you know whatever it is and you're like man i wish i had one of those and you see it and you're like oh that would be awesome and then you realize who are you you're a child of the king Who owns the cattle on a thousand hills? Who's in control? This isn't about prosperity. This is about you're going to inherit larger than you could ever dream because of who your daddy is. Understand that. And it starts to kill some of that other stuff. John's like, that's who you are. That's amazing. That's exciting. He bestowed it on us. He lavished it on us. How did he lavish it on us? Romans chapter 5, verse 6. Paul says it this way. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Come on now. Though for a good man, some might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It was undeserved. It was out of this earth. It was bigger than we can imagine. Verse 2. Dear friends, Now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure i love this i love this god's love is on display and i love this promise jesus is coming back and there's going to be some things that we don't get to understand until he comes back and we got to eat that we got to deal with that that shouldn't drive us crazy he's saying when when he appears then we'll should be like him There's some things that haven't been made known yet, but when he appears, then we'll get it. And that's the hope we have, and that hope purifies us just as he is pure. Everything in creation is our inheritance because our dad is the king. Then verse 4, he wrecks it all. Thanks, John. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness, but you know that he is appeared so that he might take away our sin and in him is no sin. Let's stop right there for a second. I love this because he takes us to the law. That sin is lawlessness. Because we got to understand something. Jesus paid a physical price here on earth because there was a law at work, the law of sin and death, and we were destined to get See Being a a child of God doesn't take care necessarily of all of our baggage up to that point, right? Just because your daddy's important doesn't necessarily mean you get to get away with everything you did up until this point. Some of you may think that or have lived that way, but that's not the truth. And you know that's the truth, not the truth. And so something still had to be done. Something still had to happen because there was a law at work, the law of sin and death. The law that says, you know what, up until this point I lived, all the things in me up until this point when I encountered the love of Jesus, they were – all those things were there. I was carrying all of that weight, and I was headed for what I deserved because of my behavior, because of the sin that was at work and is inside of me. And John's like, everyone experiences this, but you know, verse 5, that he appeared – So that he may take away our sins and in him is no sin. That is crazy good news, church. That is crazy good news. That is exciting good news. That is the reason he appeared. That is why there was flesh. That is why there was that mockery of a trial. That is why there was the death sentence, so that he could take away and be found guilty, so that you and I could be found not guilty. Are you kidding me? How amazing is that? Verse 6. This is what I meant to say where he gets all hard and difficult for us to understand. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. And no one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Whoops. (laughs) Well, we're all out. That's the moment. We can go watch football now because it doesn't matter. Because if you've ever sinned, you're out. What are you talking about, John? John? No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. Show of hands, who keeps on sinning? No, you don't have to raise your hand. (laughs) Wow, no hands went up there, but a lot of nervous chuckles. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Remember, John is highly concerned that we understand that we've got a promise of our faith. So what in the world is he talking about? Okay, verse 7. No, I'm teasing. We'll spend a little time there. Some of you are feeling the tension right now. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. John, seriously? I could spend a lot of words trying to unpack this, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you this this from a different version of the Bible. It's the amplified version. And essentially it just unpackages all of the words that are there so that we can kind of get the context of how to read this sentence. And so I'm going to put this up there so you can read it with me. So, you know, I'm not just making this up and I didn't add any of the brackets or anything. This is just cut and pasted from the amplified Bible and it will help us understand a little bit what this means. And it says this, it says, no one who abides in him in brackets, who lives and remains in communion with, in obedience." To To him, that's us, deliberately, knowingly, and habitually commits, parentheses, practices, sin. No one who habitually sins has either seen or known him, brackets, recognized, perceived, understood, or has experiential acquaintance with him. Okay, there were a lot of words in there, but did you get some of the key ones in there? Deliberately, knowingly, habitually commits the practice of continually sinning. So here's who he's talking to. He's talking to a group of people who have figured out that it's okay in their mind with Jesus to not care about their behavior, even though they have a relationship with Jesus. And he's trying to unpack for you that that has got to change. We should be aware of of our mistakes we should care about our mistakes we should be moving closer and closer towards jesus and further away from habitually doing things that take us farther from jesus not if you're still with me tracking with me okay right so this is what he's trying to explain he's saying hey if you've known him if you've recognized him, if you've perceived him, if you've understood him, if you've had an experiential acquaintance. I love that language. If you've had an experiential acquaintance. Seems like that's so profound in today's uh, social media relationships, right? There's a difference between I've heard of someone, seen a picture of someone. I've seen their tweets or whatever. And I've had an experiential relationship with them i've touched them right we've had a meal together or something an experiential and john's saying when you've experienced jesus this changes everything and no one who has done that can justify changing the moral codes to fit their behavior they have to change their behavior because of the love they've experienced, and they become more and more like Jesus. Man, this is powerful for today, church. If we've had an experience with Jesus, we don't get to just change our behavior to fit what we think. Come on now. We can't change the word of God to what we think should fit the behavior we want. Ah, John's like, No. We still do it today. They were doing it 2,000 years ago. That's not a new phenomenon. 2,000 years ago, they were like, yeah, we like this idea of not going to hell. We really do. It's cool. But we kind of like living like hell right here. So can we do both? John's like, not if you've met Jesus. Not if you met Jesus. It changes everything. Your heart changes, the way you see life changes. The value you put on other humans change. You can't treat them the way you want to treat them. You have to treat them the way they really are. In chapter 4 we're going to get into that. The way they really are. And it changes. You can't treat people a certain way. It's hard to sin if you think of other people as the creation of God that have the same value that you have. It's hard to manipulate and treat them that way. It's hard to sin when you look at your own body and realize that Jesus paid the price so that I can be redeemed. So that I can get to heaven. For this temple, it's harder To do it doesn't mean you don't find a way. Come on now, you're going to find a way, but it's harder to do it. He's saying there's a change that happens. You start thinking differently. Verse 7 Dear children, don't let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil's been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared in the flesh, remember, was to destroy the devil's work. It wasn't so that we could make peace with all the things we just want to do anyways. It was so we could be changed, so we could live different. Guys, some of you who haven't been around church for a long time I, and I keep saying this, but the reason you haven't been for a long time is because you didn't see this happening in the people of God. And you were confused by these statements, these grand statements that they would make, but not live. And here's John saying, we got to live it. It should challenge us. Are we going to do it perfectly? No. Listen to the podcast. We've been talking about it. He knows we're going to mess up. And that's why we have an advocate. Someone who stands in the place of us, who brings the gap and fills it, who takes the guilty plea when we're guilty. That's why we have that. But he says, once you encounter Jesus, you still should be changed. Man, that's pretty powerful. I don't know if that messes with you. It messes with me. Verse 9, God's spirit lives in us. Verse 9, no one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He just can't go on sinning because he's been born of God. This is how we know, verse 10, that the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. This is the message you heard from the beginning. Verse 11, that we should love one another. He says this is where you get your family traits from. When you're born of God, when you're in the family, your behavior changes. Things are different. The way you treat people is different. Your language changes. The things that used to be okay become just not okay. And the Spirit of God moves in our heart, and it convicts us, and it changes us. And all of a sudden, we start getting different attributes. Family attributes, they start coming out of us. They're the fruit of this relationship. What are the fruit of this relationship? Galatians chapter 5. You know these. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22. But the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit. Where does fruit come from? A seed gets planted in us. And it remains in us. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. And self-control against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and its desires. You see, transformation begins to happen. When you see love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness start coming out of your life. John's like, that's the stuff. That's the thing that starts changing. There used to be other things coming out of your life. But now these other new things are coming out. I got to tell you, before I knew about a father's love, those things weren't coming out of my life. You know what's coming out of my life? Anger, jealousy, frustration, hatred, manipulation, selfishness. All the things that could advance my cause because I'd been shortchanged. So why not take everything I can get? That's what I had. That's all the tools I had to interact with the world. That's all I knew because in my flesh, that's all I had to work with. But all of a sudden, the love of the Father comes. I think about, I don't know if you've ever had babies, and it's just like, ah, frustration, you know, it's the middle of the night, and they're crying, I got one right in front, perfect, right? And then there's this moment when you know, come on, You're in the arms and you're rocking them and peace comes and it's like unfathomable that the same like screaming frustration that was in them a moment again now has created just this peace and serenity. And you're just like, like, I don't know, like the endorphins just kick in, you know, just like, oh, I love you so much. And just a minute ago, I was like, why did we do this? And now I know, you know, right. But that was me. I was screaming. I was stomping my feet. I was belligerent. I was hurting. I had a wound. I needed a father. That's you. And behold, what manner of love the Father has lavished on you, that you should be called a child of God. And that is who you are. I don't know... I mean, there's a lot here. And as we wrestle with this idea, I mean, John just calls sin, sin. And sometimes that's not exciting to talk about, but he talks about it. And I just, that's what we're going to talk about because he talks about it. We're just going to be honest that sometimes we want us and what's in us isn't pretty. But when we want him, what's in us changes. But today I just felt... I couldn't get away from this idea of God breathing life into you, of God forming you, of God choosing you, of God calling you by name, of God having a plan and a purpose and a destiny for your life, of God ordering the steps of your life, of God writing in his Lamb's book of life all of the days of your life calendared and calculated. I was thinking about the power of uh, we say, you know, all the hairs on my head are are numbered. They're numbered. They're not counted. They're numbered. That means that's number 37. That's number 437. Do you understand the intimacy of a father's love to, to number all of the hairs on your head and his sense of humor? Come on. But do you understand the intimacy of that love? The depth of that love that could look at you. Come on, because you've looked at you. I've looked at me and say, that's my child. Who I love. Not just a little bit. I am going to lavish my love on them. At such a degree that while they're still dead in their mistakes. I'll send my son to pay the price. For you. I'm going to ask you to stand. And I I know this isn't for everyone today. But this is for somebody. And so we're just going to do it. But. We're going to sing this song again in a moment. But. Here's what I just need to do. I'm tempted, if you wouldn't think it was so weird, but you would, so I won't do it. I would just stand up here and just hug, like do a hug line and just hug you because I'm just a hugger. And that's how I, that's sometimes what I need from my father that I didn't get. And so that's just how I interact with the world that way. But I want to invite you in this moment as we worship. Would you let the love of the father Come on now. Would you let the love of the Father be lavished on you? And there's some stuff. Come on now. There's some stuff you're holding on to. And, and, and mm, you're like the baby. You're just screaming. You're just like, Arr! Would you let that love. I know this sounds cheesy. That's just who I am. Would you let that love just embrace you today as we sing? Would you let the love of the Father wrap you in his arms? Would you, if you can say it and mean it. Would you say with your mouth that he's a good, good father? And if that's you and you want to lift your hands, you can lift your hands. If you need to lift your voice, you can lift your voice. If you need to kneel, you can kneel. If you need to sit, you can sit. If you're mad at me and you want to leave, you can leave. Uh, It's okay. But we're just going to be real for just a few minutes with the love of the Father. Is that okay, church? Let's do that together. Verse 18 of this, the rest of the chapter is all just amazing, but verse 18 just says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. My prayer for us today is this isn't just words and speech, but it translates into actions and to truth. I pray, even as I prayed as we opened the service, that we are a light in the community, that it changes our homes. I pray, God, for each family system represented here that, Lord God, we're all part of a bigger family. But you care. If you care enough to transform and count, Lord God, the hairs on our head, then, God, you can literally transform our homes and our families. You can change us and you can make all things new. If you care enough to call me your child, then you care more than I do about the people that I interact with. And, God, you can move through me and i just pray that you would i pray that we would see change uh, god not just in our body but in our neighborhoods in our community in our schools god i pray as we as we go to restaurants we would god live like who we are children of god god i pray as we get on the phone and talk to friends and family members god that we would behave As who we are, children of God. Lord God, I pray specifically, Lord, there's a lot of talk about habits and habitual things that that stay in us and stay with us. You, God, are bigger. You're able to overcome. I pray, God, that the transforming work that you do in us would transform us. We understand it doesn't make us sinless. But we do sin less because it changes us. I pray for the testimony of lives and hearts transformed because we just understood who we are and who you are, our good Father. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You better turn and hug somebody hard. I just, I don't know what else to tell you to do, so just do it. If you don't hear something pop, then you didn't do it right. (laughs) <laughs> I'm gonna be on the news. Someone's gonna get hurt. Don't get hurt. <laughs> you can take a seat. We got one more thing for you, and and uh, just a moment, the uh, the announcements and updates because we're part of a good body. There's always things happening. They're gonna play on the screen and they're gonna actually dismiss you today. So when they say go, you can go. And uh go with God. Have an amazing week. Come back next week. Chapter four. We'll go we'll go further if you'll let me. And uh we'll have a good time. Amen.